The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of Friend of a Friend, a show where we sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring but down-to-earth conversations with some of my favorite luminaries who are making good change. Today is a huge day for the show because, as most of you know, my best friend, the founder of the Ultra System, a Nike master trainer, and co-founder of System of Service, Joe Holder, joins me on the show every first Monday of the month. And today is going to be our last one together because we are closing out 2020. And just that statement alone is so crazy. This series has meant so much to me. It's not only brought me close to Joe during a time where we were super separate, but it's also brought all of us closer to you. And for that, we are so grateful. As most of you know, we always ask you guys to submit Q&As for these episodes. And this week, the support was truly overwhelming. The questions were amazing and we were truly blown away. So for today's episode, we decided to answer as many as we possibly could. Joe and I took the episode to recap 2020, talk about some of our biggest learnings and accomplishments, give some of our best career advice, and share our goals for the next year. Again, we are so grateful to all of you. Every post, DM, email, we've seen it all. We see you, and we so appreciate the support. And who knows, maybe we'll be back next year. So here's my best friend, Joe Holder. Was that a photo that you have? When you turn your camera off that I just saw? Yeah. That is an old photo of you that I'm pretty sure it's is not from old. you in a plant-based gang hoodie no. dancing in a club. This one? Nah. You're definitely dancing in a club. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck? I love... Are you telling me that you get on, like, real business meetings with that as your Yeah. Photo? Yes. Yes. Because at the end of the day, stop asking me for Zoom calls for things that shouldn't be Zoom calls. So you know what? You're going to get the phone. <laughs> okay. So like, what do you qualify as like not a Zoom call? No, there should be no reason. There are no reasons for Zooms. There's no reason for any work, for most of the things that people need for work, for there any reason for you to schedule a Zoom call, in my opinion. And it needs to stop. It needs to stop. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, you don't need to see my face. You don't need anything. And I guess, and I guess if you got to be on your computer, if you need to discuss things, totally fine. But I haven't even, I didn't even my avatar in that respect of like, yeah, I'm on like legit business meetings. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like stop scheduling Zoom calls. There's no need. We're on a Zoom call right now. We're, we're on, we're on a Zoom call. But there's a need for this because you have to record it for the podcast. Plus, I don't want to have to figure out how to set up lighting, how to do this, how to do that. I need you to send me a ring light because I know the light's not good, but my I ideas, already bought you a microphone. I feel like a sugar mom. But my ideas case. are good. It's my idea. Are you eating on my podcast? Yeah, right we're gonna now? be eating the whole time because I'm hungry. I've had a long day. And we're gonna eat. That's what I meant to tell you. I'm gonna eat this whole time. You know what? That's okay. I put on lipstick for you. Exercise snacks. I'm world. wearing an exercise <laughs> snacks hoodie. <laughs> I'm glad that one of us comes prepared and willing to participate. In Very willing show. to participate, but I don't even have a home, you know, so I need to get the ring light. Home is where your Feet are. friends are on Zoom. How are you? What's up? I'm good. Hi, guys. Today is <laughs> our last episode together. But before we do start, I do want to say thank you to everybody that's tuned into the series this year because. I thought of Spotify wrap ups. I was very proud of you. Oh, 
Thanks. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, very worldwide, guys. Thanks. Appreciate the support. Lots of Italy, lots of Spain. Italy. Super cool. <laughs> Seriously. I had and I decoded that because I was like, oh, that's Italian. Got it. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. But we are super grateful for the support on this series. It's been like super special every month, like putting up the Q&As and seeing how many of you participate and then tune into this episode. So to everybody who's tuned in, shared it, DM'd us. Some of you have even emailed me and said how much you love the series. It's meant a lot and we've seen it all. And so thank you to that. And I do want to say that like Joe and I have probably seen each other every other day for the past five-ish years. And like, I feel like this has been like, if you are someone like us who has been put in different cities because of COVID or like separated from your friends, like this has been such a nice way to like actually have like uninterrupted catch up time with you and like hear what you're working on and hear where your mind's at. So like, uh, I know that's really corny, but like, it's true. Like it really has been something that I've like looked forward to, to like, just have this time where like, we can't be on our phones. We're talking about work, but like kind of. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for your friendship too, Olivia. Friend of a friend, my best friend. You and I actually have like a ton to catch up on because November had five weeks in it. So like even that extra week, I was like, wow, we haven't done a show in a minute. But like so much has happened. If you think about it in those five weeks, we have a new president. Yeah. Joe ran a marathon. Did. I'm back in lockdown. I think I'm going to get a dog. Like. <laughs> you bought a car? I did get a car, but it's not here yet. Yeah. How are you feeling post-election? Because the last time we had an episode, it came out the night before election day. I think we were both a little unhinged. So how are you feeling now? Where's your mind at? Where are your priorities sitting? I mean, everything's weird with the transitionary period, I guess, between presidents, you know, the discord between Trump and Biden. And then it makes you just think about why is there even a lame duck period for presidencies in general? Like after somebody's elected, why is it this long for it to take place after it's certified? I guess it's really only a month after it gets certified and there's a holiday break, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. We'll see. We'll still see what happens. <clears throat> there's still no stimulus. They're still talking about, I guess, passing a, a, a stimulus or emergency bill, but they're not even going to put stimulus payments in it again for the population. You know, people are struggling. It's still super weird. And it's just, it just seems like there's such a resurgence Again, with possibly a lockdown that's about to happen, it's just like, why haven't they been able to figure this out yet? And it's disheartening because people need to survive. And you see a lot of the discussions about, ah, people got to work, do this, do that. People shouldn't have to work for survival. Like you, you should be able to survive just by simply being alive. Now, if you want to flourish or you want certain amenities, this type of thing, yeah, I get it. You got to go to work. But I think a lot of people are asking the wrong questions. So. I just hope the people that need help get it, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen with the with the newest discussions at this moment of uh, the care package. I'm with you. You know, it's Thursday in LA right now. Last night, our mayor released a new stay-at-home order that was maybe the most confusing thing I've ever read. Did you did you read it by any chance? No, nah, I didn't see that. It basically urges it's it's a mandate urging everybody to stay at home, but magically everything is still open. The hikes are open, but you can't bike or walk or take a car there. Like it literally says like no automobiles or no, and no biking and like no aimless walking. What? (laughs) It's straight up. I'll send it to you. Um, it's a 14 page mandate. And I literally was reading it last night being like Twitter, what can I can't do? (laughs) And can I can't do like 
what's happening? But, you know, it was super disheartening in L.A. last week um, as things started to, like, stay open and stay closed and, you know, more regulations were coming in. They got rid of outdoor dining. You could only do takeout last week. So it was just kind of like, what's the priority here? And how are we, like, really figuring out how to make people stay safe? And in my opinion, um, and again, I'm, I'm not in politics. I don't know what's going on in the background. But, like, it just seems so flawed. And it doesn't seem like we're really targeting the ways that people are actually getting COVID right now. Yeah, and they're not even fully aware of how people are getting COVID, which is also the other weird thing in terms of transmission. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't really understand how things can't improve without sh- strong federal and state allegiance with a cohesive plan that details what people are and aren't supposed to do, and uh, testing, economic relief, all that. So, uh, I mean, it just seems like. The Georgia elections become that much more important because you really need the Senate to turn blue. The day that this episode comes out, which is Monday, December 7th, is the last day to register to vote for the runoff election on January 5th. I personally know maybe one or two people in Georgia. I'm not sure how many people follow me in Georgia, but I'm sure like we could say the same thing about like you don't know how many people in Georgia your friend knows or, you know, anybody that even is in your orbit. So essentially what I'm saying is like, don't let that discourage you from urging as many people as you can to like spread the word about that and get people out there to register to vote and also vote on January 5th. So today's episode is thrilling for both of us because we posted the Q&A last week on Instagram and I swear, like, are you guys like holding out like this whole time? Like we literally got over a hundred questions. Because I nicely asked, you know. Joe, like the international man of mystery, like I'm giving one tiny little like (laughs) review into his life and everyone's like, jump. (laughs) It's pretty phenomenal to watch. So today we obviously like are so humbled and excited about those questions and want to honor that and get to them as get to as many as we possibly can. So today's episode, we're actually going to answer all your questions. I love it. Q&A, heart to heart. Yeah, I love it too. Honestly, I texted Joe this morning saying like, you have some pretty awesome fans. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So man, shout out to all of you fans. guys. They're not fans. They're, they're community. They're people. It's all love. Be out here trying to figure it out, man. Everybody. I'm sorry, guys. Joe just is obviously now trying to make me feel bad. What else is new <laughs> for using the wrong word? <laughs> I never try to make you feel bad. That's true. You just always try to make me better. I see. I see. <laughs> So you're in New York. It's December. We've had a pretty fucking crazy year. What is on the docket for the next month? Um, you know, I'm out here. I'm still floating. I'm just focused on work. I'm very, I'm very lucky for that. I'm, you know, I don't have a place, so I just float between a few different places, spending more time. At Nomadic hotels. life. International man of mystery. Willie Loman. Yeah. At the end of the year, I always take, I always do a little bit of an audit. The year has come and gone very quickly. I've achieved a lot. I've done some things I still need to do. And at the end of the year, I just take the time to be a little bit more formulaic, shut myself away for a couple of weeks, a few weeks, and just cut through the stuff that I that is important. So it's, you know, figuring out where I am as a person, figuring out where I am as a business, figuring out, you know, the important relationships that are necessary to continue to invest in. And that's what, uh, you know, I'm going to do. Just over complaining. I'm not complaining anymore, as we've talked about before. But I feel like you're more dedicated to that more than ever now. Yeah, because what am I complaining about? At the end of the day, this time, unless it's constructive, I get like short term issues that you'll talk through. It's okay to complain. I'm not saying it's not okay to complain. It's 
as we stated before, it's not okay to figure it out and it's not okay to continue on. Because at the end of the day, from my perspective, I have no reason to complain. Of course, there's stuff that I struggle with and have issues with. But if I have the ability to, as I say, overcome inertia, or if I have the ability to just with a little more resolve do more because either I've been given these talents, I've been given these gifts, or I've been put in an environment for success, I cannot complain. Because there's a lot more people out there that can have in a worse environment than me. Of course, there's always someone worse off. It's not, I, I don't like when people say that, but it's just people have more legitimate things to, to grovel about. So I'm going to respect that, continue to move forward. Yeah, I think it's like the acknowledging. I actually think it's probably an amazing mindful practice to get rid of the like fluffy complaining that we do on a daily basis that like doesn't need to be there, but it's just there for us to like vent. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of interesting research about the amount. Basically, people think, people fail to realize there's two different types of talk. There's the external talk and then there's an internal dialogue. Your internal dialogue goes at such a quicker pace than the ability you have, the ability, you can speak. So if you're also complaining outwards, there's an internal dialogue that you're both aware of and unaware of that is constantly going on underneath the scene. And for me, and this is why meditation is so important, is that for me, I've been able to separate and hear my internal dialogue, separate that out, walk literally mentally when these things pop up that aren't constructive, walk it out of the room in my mind. I take it outside of the room, put it in a box, say, I hear you, but this is not important. I hear you and I understand it, but it's not worthy of addressing. Put it in a box, a trash can and throw it away. So the internal dialogue is going at it in such a high clip. People consume so much stuff, phone, media, all this. And it's like, why? What is the purpose? What is the purpose? So with everything, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm logical sometimes to a fault. I'm utilitarian. I'm pragmatic. It's like, what is the point of this? Because I don't know. I, like The time's going to fly anyway. And if I have the ability to continue to, I'm either going to figure it out or not. That's really all it comes down to. You're going to figure it out or not. And if I have yeah. the ability than others in certain areas to figure it out, I'm going to fucking figure it out. That's how I look at it. Well, excited to hear what comes out of the audit this year, for sure. You'll still be my friend if that makes you feel good. <laughs> oh my God, was I on the chopping block? <laughs> Jeez, good to know. Ted Allen over here. You know. I'm really, okay. I'm really curious about this because, you know, there were quite a few questions that we'll get to about the holidays and like what you and I are going to be getting up to. You're a ritual guy, but I've actually, like, you're not really a traditions guy. Like, do you yeah, have no. any holiday traditions that you get into at all? Um, no, nah, I mean, the feelings of the season, you know, I, I do reflection. I, I give, spend time with my family, do all that stuff. I, but I'm not, I guess, no, I'm not really a traditions guy, especially hmm. if I've gotten older. Like, I respect it and it gives me time to, time to reset, but. I just use these periods of, of slow periods to, you know, I guess focus on myself. So then I could, I actually, it's interesting because I think periods in which the culture shifts to be more sedative, that's when I go. And then when everybody's just kind of like go, 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 go frenzy or doing too much, I kind of take it. I, that's when I take a step back. So these time, time periods when people like take a step back and they're too, they're, they're involved too much. Like they're not doing anything. It's not constructive. Is not the right word? But when everybody slows down and you jog, that's when you that's when you're actually doing a sprint. 
I know I say this. You've said this from day one. Yeah. You've said this from like day one of our friendship of like, because I'm someone, I don't really like to travel over the new year season. I think it's like just, I've done it with like family in the past. Like we're not traveling this year beyond just COVID going on. Like it's asking for absolute chaos. Like you go on vacation and then you fly home on January 2nd in like the craziest. You go back in tired. Yeah. And you go home tired. Yeah. So like, I, I just think it's like, I would rather travel like maybe mid January if work allows me to and like find and make time for myself that way. Like you and I are similar in that, like, we don't like to like give in to these like societal constructs of like moments where like we're allowed time off. I actually thought it was so interesting this year. A lot of feedback I was getting from so many of my friends was that they don't feel the need to like take these big trips, big summer trips, big winter trips, because COVID's allowed them to do like small weekends here and there where they felt like they've been able to like find moments of reprieve because they're not so like bogged down to an office schedule. And obviously we're talking about like safe little weekend trips or something like that. But I thought that was really cool. And like, that's a shift I've loved to see where it's like, we're not just like designed to have these like crazy moments where we're allowed to relax. And like, we should be able to like find little moments here and there for ourselves, like during the calendar year. Yeah, I mean, it's a cult of work, but at the same time, it's like work also allows you vacation days, so take it. But just set up the system, set up, you know, construct the system that's best for you. For me, during holidays, you know, that's when I, that's like my my training camp for myself. Like, that's not saying I'm go, 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 but I recover, I I rejuvenate, I reflect, and I I work on creating. Meanwhile, I'm like over here, putting a Christmas tree together and like baking pumpkin bread, <laughs> like <laughs> full opposite. I mean, what's whatever works. I'm in my late twenties. It's kind of that time where like, I feel like you can partake in like the traditions of your family. And like, it's also a fun time to start building ones of your own. Yeah. I, it's like, it's an interesting time to look at. Yeah. It's interesting. Speaking of the holidays, we'll be right back after a quick break. Paging all LA friends. Are you looking for a Christmas tree? This year I used pulled ink a digital home management platform that's offering Christmas tree delivery. They chose the tree for me, which by the way, was so beautiful. I probably would not have picked a better one myself. Delivered it to my home and set it up for me safely and distance. You can also pick the size on the website. So you're getting the right tree that fits your home. Visit shop.pulledink.com and use the code Olivia for 25% off on your order. Happy holidays. You know those things you're too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. Someone asked a great question. Do you have any healthy food recipes specifically for the holidays that we both love? You know, this one's always tough. I don't, because the way I look at food. He's like, he's like, stop it. I I think people think I'm a lot more strict with with food than I actually am. I mean, Joe tweeted the other day that he'd sooner give up meat than give up alcohol. And I was like. That's (gasps) true, though. (laughs) I know. Like, I'd rather I'm like, guys, Joe drinks. Yeah, I know. Throws people (laughs) up. Nah, my thing is I eat healthy. I eat healthy year round. I eat nutrient dense year round. So if I want to have some pie, I'll have some pie. If I want to drink wine, I'll drink wine. Like I don't have. I don't. Ooh, what's I, Joe Holder's choice of pie? Apple, of course. What you mean? With the core in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't see the point of healthy swaps with indulgent foods. I get if you're allergic to some things and you got to figure it out, like by all means. But 
if you're going to partake in it and partake in it sparingly, make that shit delicious. I don't really do the healthy swap <laughs> stuff. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. I love that. I'll take it because I got to be honest. I actually have not really, I don't even think I ever saw you eat birthday cake. I don't like birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I haven't really seen you partake in sweets, but that mentality is very on brand for you. <laughs> Yeah, love <laughs> just them. do it all the way, you know. Yeah, it's just like what? Yeah, just do it. <laughs> you and I talk about this question a lot. What does giving back to you during the holiday season mean for both of you? I like this question because Joe and like I think Joe and I actually talk about this a lot. Where like Giving Tuesday is a great idea in theory, but like it bothers both of us to an extent. Yeah, I mean this season is interesting. I don't. I'm not a fan of the poor donating to the poor. I don't like it. And when you go from we're all poor, and I think it creates another level that elevates that instead doesn't create solidarity. You know, you know, as, as the mutual aid movement says, solidarity, not charity. And it keeps this situation of really we're not holding people accountable. That should be like I shouldn't have to donate money to solve hunger. Like that's not that's what our government is for should be for to an extent and then you go from black friday to giving tuesday it's just it's, like, it's, it's insane like okay so you want to go through i'm sorry i'm gonna rant you're <laughs> gonna go through thanksgiving black friday you're gonna go through cyber monday <laughs> and then you're gonna throw in giving tuesday after all of that yeah it's all selfish like that's that's where our priorities lie and i think that is where it feels for both of us that like it is like what you give in the holiday season. Yes, obviously it's been really inspiring to see a lot of people do like coat drives as things gets colder and so many organizations that we know providing amazing meals on Thanksgiving. Like those things are really needed, especially in the holidays as people need more. But in general, like I want people to take that mentality into like their everyday lives. Like you shouldn't just be thinking about giving back when the holidays pop up. Yeah, and you should use that as a basically to answer the question, this season of giving, I think it's important because it should remind you uh, for the rest of the year to continuously do it and to really take a harder look at the root causes of the issues that you're giving back to. And then just do, yeah. just keep going. But yeah. That's good advice. It's like, as these moments come up every year, if it is a time where you choose to give back more than other times, like hone in on what you're passionate about, find ways to maybe do more than just donate money and really dedicate yourself to that. You hit it on the head. If you could get one thing for Christmas this year, what would it be? Wow. Last Christmas, I gave you my I heart. I gave you my heart. The very next day. If I could get you one, gave it away. One thing for Christmas. Damn, do you have something? Um, I've actually been thinking about this a lot because, you know, my family and I, I was raised Jewish, but it's something that we like to do. Um, we do like to celebrate Christmas. I was raised with a Christmas tree in my house. And I think it was Jesus just was something that, yeah, I think it, I actually appreciate my parents doing that for not making us stay in like this, like religious absolutism and like being able to find like joy in things. Like that's like, I have a, my first Christmas tree in my apartment this year. And it's just something that brings me joy. But we've actually like all decided to not exchange gifts this year, just with everything going on. It doesn't really feel it just, it does it's not really something that we're all thinking about. But in that thought, like, I've been thinking about what I want to give to, like, the people around me. And, like, everyone's in their homes, but also separate. So, like, 
I don't know. I think something that would like mean a lot to me is like something that makes me feel connected to my friends, but that's in my home. Whether it's like, okay, I'm being cheesy, but like, you know, one of my friends gave me a mug and I drink coffee from it every morning and like it makes me feel good. That's sweet. I don't know. Like, you know, what if I like got you a vase and like, I know you like to get flowers and you put the flowers in the vase every week. Like, wouldn't that make you feel good? And it's a small act of kindness. Yeah, let me get that nice new vase you had in your apartment. Oh my God. I had a, you guys, when Joe's living in my apartment, I had a vase that was like literally a nude woman and like her boobs and it was amazing. And Joe used it every day. Like I saw it, <laughs> it in like, the background it was, of all of his like, photos. It was like, and he, it, it was literally a video. I love that you appreciated it, but you see what I mean? Like it's it's something little that goes a long way, and I think people need that right. Huge now. fan of the female form. Huge fan. You're uh, taking my sentimental Christmas moment and really, <laughs> really tearing it apart. Uh, but no, that's sweet. I think I think you like little reminders of those who are important to you to have around your home, and that makes a home a real home. I would that's like. Super real. I mean, you know, I would of course like money to get my ideas off the ground, but I'd also like. A community center. I'd love to have a community, be gifted a community center that I could turn into a into a place where people could come and and learn and make it a place where people connected, helped out the community in that area and 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 a, and a infrastructure for giving back. You know, I just I would love to have it because somebody just gave me a free lease to a community center. I'll provide the mugs. <laughs> <laughs> Big, very different Christmas gifts this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let me get some. What is your health resolution for 2021? Uh, financial health, all in the financial health, you know. Love that. That's really what I'm focused on. Uh, continue to take care of my mental health. You know, physical comes always a little bit easier for me, but just keep on those tracks, keep taking care of my body. You and I had a really great conversation the other day about some things that COVID has taught us and our mindset and how it's totally shifted a question that came in was, you know, what the biggest takeaway was from this year. I'll let you share yours, but I also really want to talk about the conversation that we had about location. So what's the biggest takeaway from 2020 for you? And the biggest takeaway from 2020. Whew. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. The pandemic and the COVID situation weighs heavily on everybody's mind, but it's just really been, you know, when you have, I don't know that there's a lot more available to you, at least to me, than there isn't. So at the end of the day, for me to not, I don't know. I just really don't, I can't understand the utility of complaining. Like I can't understand the utility of, of having a mindset that does, that doesn't push forward. So that's really what 2020 yeah. has taught me was that if you, you serve needs, keep going and really just strategize accordingly to control what you can control because there's so many things that could go haywire. So stop forecasting so much for the future. Stop dwelling so much in the past. Deal with the now. Of course, plan and strategize accordingly, but really deal with the now. Feel great. Have moments of gratitude in the now. Cherish certain things. Be a, be a tourist. I think be a tourist and really, and what I learned in Iceland was like, look at the world with soft eyes. But that was the biggest lesson. Every day I look at the world with soft eyes yeah. as a new beginning. And I'm, I think I'm greater... And I've had the ability now with everything that's gone on to have a greater recognition of when my mind is at the place that it needs to be and really nipping it in the bud before it takes off. Yeah, I feel the tourist thing, I think, is definitely something that you and I have just talked about so much. Like, I feel, and maybe this is a lesson that I should have learned earlier in life, but like, I feel more like malleable than I think I knew I was. So, like, 
the things that I thought, like the existing structures of my life, like if they, it was more about like the people in my life that would like support and hold me up versus like the things, the physical, tangible things that were around me. But basically Joe and I had this conversation the other day about like the idea of location. Like Joe has been my best friend for five plus years. And like, this is the first time where we've ever actually like been super separated. Like I've seen Joe two times this whole year, which is insane yeah, that's crazy. when you think about it. Yeah. But like we've had this conversation because a ton of our friends are, are moving and kind of relocating and, and figuring out situations that are most comfortable for them in, in this environment. And Joe said something super great on the phone the other day where he was like, yeah, I've really realized this year that like location doesn't matter. And I think that's when I started to think about this idea of like being a really malleable person. And like, if these relationships mean something to you, you will make them work no matter where they are, what they're doing. Like Joe's been in Iceland and and there's a pandemic and like Joe wants to move to Kansas. <laughs> Yo, so they're giving away free land, man. I'm telling you, I'm gonna pull up. The land is free. Yeah, I mean. Homestead Act. Look, like I, I, the way I describe it lately, like I feel like Instagram, I'm not like tied to an identity anymore. <laughs> You know, like I'm constantly changing. Like, I don't know what's up. You should be tied to yourself. I mean, that's at the end of the day, like everything tries to pull you out of you. And you try to think if I go here, I'll feel better. If I do this, I'll feel better. It's really, you know, you you focus on connections. You, of course, build out your environment and things like that. But you have to go back to, to the, I think, the bare essentials, call it the new pragmatism of what is actually important to serve you. And also to understand that relatively i believe we're all in this together so if you serve you you also have to serve others not even to seem cheesy because the other way to look at that is if you help other people it's also one of the more selfish things you can do because you'll always be better off and probably feel good as well so i don't know i guess we're just talking about these 2020 lessons it's just a wild year it's just been a wild year i don't know i definitely learned a lot so i believe it was two or three weeks ago you were in arizona definitely want to hear about that you decided one day to just wake up and this you made this decision when you woke up in the morning. <laughs> Psycho behavior, if you ask me, but very on brand. You decided to run the New York City virtual marathon, which I think is a beautiful thing that it was able to stay alive and people were able to do it from wherever they were able to do it from. But what was that like? I mean, that shit was great. I mean, I was, I, the New York City Marathon would have been its 50th marathon uh, anniversary this year, postponed due to COVID. You know, I was inspired. A lot of people were running it virtually. I was, I was out in Arizona, uh, both for some work and just to kind of reset my circadian rhythms. I was like, you know what? I just, I just felt, not that I felt off, but I just felt a little, I felt a little nonchalant. You know, I felt a little, like I just needed something to kick me in the ass real quick. And I was like, I'm, I, you overthink things. Sometimes you just got to be like, you know what? I'm going to run this marathon. I think I can do it. See how my body feels, but accept the process and understand what you learned through it. But it was crazy because started off relatively early, starts to get hot. The Google Maps, you know, for the 26.2 miles, it was taking me to the wrong areas. So it was like shut down private roads and I couldn't go down those. You see, oh, man. you know, there's Trump signs and barking dogs. And the last thing I want is for something wrong to happen. But it, it was, it got hot fast. But around mile 25, I just had this feel, 24 or whatever, feeling a relative euphoria where I, I, I just fell in love with the process sometimes and it hurts the hardest. But then that allows me in other areas of my life to kind of figure it out and keep going. Also, you get such a rush to your brain. Like your, your, your brain 
it's like being on drugs. Like your brain just goes somewhere else after the run because your body then is rebuilding itself. So ultra distance work or distance work just hits you where you now you just feel like you're on the best Adderall for the next week after. And you you allow this this endeavor to then help transition, in my opinion, to other areas uh, of my life. So then I, it's like I build, you know, I build. I spent another week there and just really dove into into hard, key, deep work where I was just focused in the thought process. Okay, if I could plan, a, not even plan, if I could take a day to do a marathon, I could take a day to do my work. I could take a day to to do these things that build up over time for for best results. So you got to make a decision. I, you know, I texted you the next day and you were like, you're a fucking psycho. I'm always so proud of you. And I was like, you know what? I just thought about it. And I was like, you know, decisions are the foundation of action. So whether it has to do with, you know, the system of service, whatever, had an idea, but you got to make a decision to put it into action, you know? And, and that, and that could yeah, be You were tweeting a lot about that. And I was like, that's it. Like making the decision to do it is the hardest part. Yeah. Because then, you, you know, one foot will go in front of the other. Like a lot of people think about running. What's very interesting about running is, is that if you take somebody that's paralyzed or a dog or something like that, and you you try to get them to be walking again, it's an automatic reaction of the body to pull the heel back towards the hamstring to complete a gait cycle. So it's automatic. You don't have to, once you start running, you don't have to think about pulling the leg through. It just does it. Right. But you can take a step back and before you start running, you think about everything. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And the same goes a lot of of so many other areas in life. Once you start, there's an automatic reaction in many areas that make it a a lot easier. And plus, the run was beautiful, though. I saw a bobcat just chilling. It's hot. It was a good time. My knee's still a little sore, I guess. But I don't know. I just want to do. I'm very lucky where I have aspects of my life where I can live my life and, and make a living off of that. And I just want to do shit at the end of the day and just see how far I could take this thing because I got a lease on it and the lease is eventually going to be given up. So I might as well keep going until the wheels fall off. Someone asked a really interesting question twofold. These are two separate questions that I'm going to fold into one because it probably applies greatly to running. The first one was about being able to gauge how much energy you'll need and how much food you'll need to keep to sustain yourself for actions like that. And the other one, knowing that you have long term, long lasting injuries like you do, how do you prep yourself for a run like that? So I guess answer it in twofold. Oh, so wow. like what good the question. prep was. Yeah, I'm telling you, good questions this week, guys. Yeah, the first one. So like, how to tune into your body to work out how much fuel it needs in a day and then prep when you have a long-term injury. Was a fuel was a fuel question specific to running or was it just I you I know that I need a lot of calories so how do I do it? <laughs> no, but I guess this could be like a good framework to answer the question through. Um the literal question was how do I tune into my body to know how much fuel it needs in a day? Someone said they don't know if they're eating too much and can't gauge how much to eat in a day for energy. That's a good question. Most of your energy, I, th- I think some people think of food as a reward, but most of your, for exercise, and most of your energy is actually burnt outside of exercise. So 70 to 80. So basically if I was to lay in bed, all, so, all right, so there's something called your like BMR, BMR which is like your bas- basal metabolic rate. If I was to lay in bed all day, I would burn probably 2,200 calories. Like I'm not doing anything. I'm just laying in bed, so, but my body has to keep up with itself. But people need to learn about what calories are. Calories are just basically when your body's ex- ex- extracting energy from food, it's when the bonds are broken and it's 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 a measurement of the heat that is released. So calorie technically 
is how much heat is released. So when we think of that, we we have to think of how much do I need to provide my body? And a lot of people think that they shouldn't be eating if they aren't active. That is not true. You still, your body is still constantly energy to to just generally live. So with all that being said, there are ways that depending upon your body composition, you can measure, you can understand how much you need for your, how many calories you should typically be eating a day. So I would say for somebody who just really wants to know, go get a, a, a body composition analysis and go figure out the measure of your BMR. And then based upon that, you can get a better understanding of how many calories you're supposed to eat and then make sure that those calories are appropriate. I typically always eat a little bit under calorie, under caloric, but high nutrient density. You know, I'm, I, I like the, the Asian Japanese style of eating, which is kind of like 80% full, never really fully full. So with that, I'm just more, I'm aware of what my body needs. I also use, I also have an Apple watch, which keeps a relatively uh, consistent measure of how many calories I'm burning throughout the day. And I'm able to understand a bit more how that connects with my energy levels and when I, and the food I'm consuming and things of that nature. So that, that's important. The first thing is just having a base understanding. Are there like supplements involved in this or do you like revolve, like, do you rely on like the nutrient dense foods in your diet? So that question is interesting because what a lot of people fail to realize is like I lead an atypical life. I'm very I'm exceedingly active. I, I do a lot. So supplements are a result of possible nutrient deficiencies that I might have through my diet and also through my activity levels. That's not to say everybody. Yeah, I feel like people like are always like, oh, I should just take these supplements because everybody takes it. But it's like definitely something that you need to do a blood test and realize if you're deficient in. Yes. Or there's a likelihood of, of deficiency. There are also just some base supplements that you could take that even if you aren't deficient in might have a benefit and won't have too much of a negative repercussion besides possible money for your health. Just to be short, I guess, if there are certain vitamins you could take that won't have that much of a risk. So like magnesium, the B vitamins, zinc here and there, fish oil, those are typically the standard ones. Then when you want to, you know, even melatonin for some people, but then when you want to get a little bit more in depth, that's where you ha- you have to be careful. I guess prepping for injuries when chronic injuries, when you have, or run when you have chronic injuries, is really just to focus on knowing that your body, you have to temper it. Like you really have to listen to your body. You learn how to listen to your body because you think you might be able to push a little harder at a time, especially early in the long run when you shouldn't. That's why training is essentially important. So you got to get your bodies used to the low. And, but it's just making sure that I take the time leading up to things, especially if I have a preparation area, preparation period. It's like, I know I have bad ankles, my right ankle at least. So, you know, working on my ankle mobility. So it's a concept of prehab. It's basically consistently focusing on areas that either have a higher risk of injury, have a prior injury history or you know will be overly used during certain activities. So you engage in in prehab exercises, which are basically just rehab or protective exercises before you're injured. So I've always been particular about recovery. I've always been particular about proactive preparation for things, you know, and I always have this two weeks out period. So two to four weeks out. So I just keep my body in a state that if I had to do something very intense in two to four weeks, I know I would be ready. So basically don't wake up one day and just decide to do a marathon, guys. I mean, could if your body can handle it. <laughs> if you're Joe Holder. <laughs> I mean, it would be, you know, I don't know, man. 
I want to switch gears a little bit from physical health to mental health. It was actually really, really sweet to see how many people checked it, wanted to check in and hear how therapy is going. Got bad news. I didn't stop. I just kind of got a, I, I mean, you know, I'm just getting, I'm just reorganizing a bit because the tools. That's good. Actually, I appreciate that. You know, it's like the tools I got from therapy, I do utilize and they have helped. But I think I need to recalibrate and understand if this therapist is the right one for me and then get, you know, my house a little bit more in order so I could just continuously and consistently do it. Like, I want my therapist to, you know, give me homework. I want the ability to to be able to deep dive fully into the things that are necessary for best results. Yeah, someone actually asked that. Like, what's the system? Like, are you note taking, studying? And it's like, you're totally right. Like, you want that follow up there and that follow through where like, it's not just a conversation and then like you're waiting for the next week. Yeah. So because of the schedule, I am kind of resetting a little bit and understand the cadence, what, what I can afford, what, can, what I can't afford, what do I want out of therapy. So I'll start again in January, but I just need to take a step back. Well, Joe, we support and love <laughs> and Sad boys. we are here, here for your therapy journey. Thank you, Olivia Perez. Uh, there was another question that kind of came through regarding therapy that I thought was a great a great little moment for both of us to talk about because we've actually been in this exact position. Um, but what are your best tips on dialogue questions to use to encourage friends to see a therapist? Uh, I mean, I, I never, I, I never responded well to somebody just being like, uh, you should, you should. Do- That's not true. What? Are you about to, sorry. I, I don't know why I interrupted <laughs> you. Like, just like oh, you should, you should, go see a therapist and I'm like ah yes I I know whatever but it, I think it's but wait I don't think that's true I mean you have told me you there's a difference between telling telling somebody that in the context of conversation in which you're supporting them versus somebody coming right. to you and they're just like oh you should go see a therapist it's like fuck you excuse my language yeah like if we're in my experience in this friendship I think no one should ever tell someone to go see a therapist and then, unless they are a part of their mental health journey and know what's going on. And I think if we're being really honest, like the way that it came up for you and me was really supportive in the way that it was like, I think it had gotten to a point where I was either having trouble relating or having trouble providing you the support that I knew that you needed. And I think I was just really honest with you about that. And I was like, I think you need another person in the room that isn't me and doesn't come with even the smallest fraction of bias that can help you sift through this. But I actually think that like the biggest moment there was like the moment that you also acknowledged that, like that was the missing puzzle piece. Like I remember you called me the day that you decided to see a therapist and you were like, I don't want to keep putting, it's not fair for me to keep putting all of this on my friends, which I think is untrue to an extent. Like that's what friendships are for. But like, it's a two-way street. Like, I think being a supportive friend partially is like helping your friend get to that point if they need to. But then also the friend has to acknowledge that like they're ready to see and invite that person into their life too. Yeah, that's real. I mean, I don't know what the best dialogue is because I haven't, I'm, I've been on the receiving end of it. So this is probably a better question for you to answer, which you just did, so. Yeah, I think, I think if it, it has to come from a genuine place of, as a friend, you have to do everything that you can to support that for person first. That's my belief. And by the way, like that support's not going to end after they see a therapist. Like it's going to continue to stay there. But I think my logical rationale for 
for bringing that up in our relationship was the fact that I felt like someone with greater experience could actually genuinely help you more than I could. And so, yeah, I think, I think it has to come from that genuine place of support and not some place of like, oh, I can't deal with this. Go see a shrink or like something like that. Like it has to come from a, a place of love. And like, I will say like your friend might not receive it well. They might not. But you as a friend can take pride in knowing that like you did what you could to help and you still will continue to do what you did, what you're going to do to help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. It's not letting them know you're you're trying to forsake them in any way. It's just that you'll always be there, but in order to take, I guess, the conversation to the next level or the assistance to the next level, yeah. have someone else that's there. I mean, guys, Joe's brain, Joe's mind. <laughs> like, I was like, help someone? <laughs> uh, man. Or send them links, like help somebody in their search. That's what I would say. Totally. Like if we're being honest, like I had one of my best friends this morning and I had a great conversation where she was encouraging me to see a therapist myself because I've maybe been to one therapy session in my whole life and I didn't have that great of an experience. So it kind of turned me away from it. But she was like, hey, like I've been seeing a therapist since since I was a kid. Like it's this really liberating feeling of just being able to talk to somebody. And like, here's this website that I use. You can literally put in your preferences and call it a day. And like whether I do it or not, it was really nice to have that like very warm support 360 holistic support coming in from a friend that was just genuinely like, hey, this is something that I enjoy doing. And I think you would too. I like it. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit to some career oriented questions that came in. Someone asked what the number one thing this year was that you dove into and are really excited to keep learning about. I think this year, really past year, really delved more into this concept of human design, approaching wellness as a design system. And that's really that's really what fat, what fascinates me is like the environmental impact of what of it uh, helps health behaviors, and then really sleep. Sleep has been really fascinating. Concept of sleep and a little bit more of recovery have been fascinating for me. And then really approaching this concept, I think of of like food from a chemistry standpoint. That's what I think is crazy. Like every day you're you you're consuming things and, and acting a certain way. And that all of that has impact on the body. So looking at food from a chemistry standpoint, if I eat this then this might happen, if I, you know, and understanding like food is data, but we're not robots, but like food has a chemical structure component to it. So the, the And it's like all part of the human design. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just, yeah, I guess it just goes back to this concept of human design and then really thinking about how do you really, how can you design yourself every day? How can you do that? How, what, what can you do through your actions, through your environment and the research that accompanies that? I'm really appreciative of. And then shifting my mindset a little bit into understanding that the missing link, I think, in terms of, of, of working out is really looking at the components, looking at health and not just fitness and performance, but looking at movement for health. Like what are the impact that it may not have on my body composition but my underlying health component so say if i you know they just did they did an interesting study with diabetics that every you know 30 minutes they had them work out for three minutes and and that improved their heart health right so it's like understanding like it doesn't have to all about be getting faster it doesn't have to be all about getting abs why don't we just re-understand the components of fitness for health or movement for health and then how that interplays into the future i think with the healthcare system 
but human design i'm, I'm we're going to just dive in fully to human design and you know this is why also i got to i need to really get fully into journaling and 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 medium and long term thought because i'm involved in so many different things and i work on so many different things it's just really been about i just cohesively creating a database of all the stuff that i come across that come across a lot and i just want to get you know i probably i've forgotten more than i know which is scary so i want to figure that out i love this next question because i actually feel like maybe we could take it offensively but like i I also feel like I dabble in this a little bit, like, especially on this show, I interview a lot of people who have businesses that like, I've never even been able to build, build or anything like that. And you're coming across a lot of information and then sharing it and sharing your thoughts on it. But someone asked how we both feel credible discussing topics publicly that we might not have degrees, certification or experience in. I don't think there's anything wrong. There's difference between being inquisitive and curious versus being an authority. I'm an authority of the things that I'm authority totally. in because I constantly, you know, I, I am learned and, and accredited it. I think as a human being, we've given up our agency to be able to be curious and think we can't have discussions about things. Totally. To see your blind spots. It's like everyone wants to be an expert. It's like know your blind spots. It's like you don't have to be an expert to talk about things that affect you, but then you also have to know if you are not an expert, then you have to be a little bit more open and reasonable about your limitations and judgment. Yeah, I feel like I'm, it's okay to be naturally curious about things. And I'm not an expert in 90% of the shows that I do, but I'm curious and I want to be the conduit to tell that story for someone that is coming on the show and and taking the time to tell their story. So yeah, I don't think it always needs to be this thing about being the expert or having a degree or certification. Like you just have to be willing you have to show up to be able to like share what you're learning. And I think that like, if everyone was an expert, I actually think it would be like, not as conducive. I mean, to like all of our learning, like if you are not willing to share and learn and grow and sometimes be wrong, what's the point? Mm. You hit it on the head. A lot of hitting it on the head, apparently in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) You've written for a ton of publications, GQ Joe. We love to see it. (laughs) Wow. Where does one start if they want to do more freelance writing and writing for publications? Yeah, I mean, mine has been, I am always, as you know, the fan of obtuse goal attainment. So luckily I have been able to, I think, skirt certain gatekeepers because I am relatively good and credible at what it is that I do. I was writing before I thought I would have the opportunity to write. I started a blog in college and, you know, I was, I was writing for free. I was contributing to a bunch of, you know, publications before I was even paid to write through interviews. I would sit down and write every day. I will still say study. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. I will still say study the industry and understand how it standardly works. Now, then also look at possible ways that you get around that to still achieve your goal. Me, I often had to do things for free. So if you want to get paid to write, that doesn't mean you'll get paid immediately. Now, this is distinct to both writing and in my other professions. So say personal training. I would train certain people for free because I knew that the opportunity payoff down the line could be better and that also I would just be getting better at my craft. So at the end of the day, if you are trying to get into freelance writing and you are not already currently writing because you think you should only start writing because you want to get paid, that is mistake number one. Number two, you got to network and you got to know, you got to set, you got to know people like I'm not going to play this game. In order to, to break the mold in the industry, you have to still know that industry. And that was a thing that I did. And that's the only thing really that I think I could give you here is the fact that 
I studied the industries that I wanted to be in so intently that I understood how to utilize my skills, still have the necessary accreditations or, or cosigns for high quality work that would allow me to partake in that. But understand that you don't have to go the same way as, every, as, as everyone else. I feel like both you and I went similar routes. We were both in industries that we were excited about, worked in them in different ways, and then tackled the writing portion of it. And not to say that, like, obviously, if your writing is your passion and it's what you want to do, obviously dive right in. But I agree so much that it's like, you know, you can't just write everything. You can't just be a freelance writer. Like, I think the, the best way to get your foot in the door is to really hone in on the industry that you're excited to write about mm-hmm. and learn the ins and outs of the whole thing so that, you know, when it does come to the writing bit of it, like, you know exactly what you're saying and you're in there. Too many reporters don't have skin in the game. You actually raised a good point. Yeah. Why I wanted to start writing was because I was giving my information to all these interviewers who were writing articles and getting paid for it, but were writing shitty articles because they didn't have skin in the game. They weren't living it. And then people were consuming these articles and not can't actually. Use, and you felt cheated. Yeah. But also they can't even yeah. use the information for better because you have a reporter that's just trying to be the deadline instead of a reporter knowing what they actually have to write about. So the thing is, yep. if there's, if you want to, if there is a subject matter that you want to particularly write about, I argue you become very knowledgeable in that. You become very knowledgeable in that because that's what sets you apart. Otherwise, if I'm just, you know, a hiring manager that's just looking at a resume of a writer, but not everybody's specific skill or expertise, I argue I'm more likely to, to, to pass over them. So there's so many, there's going to be a rise in micro communities again. And there's so many niche ability, there's so many niche publications, thought processes, whatever that you could dive into and take advantage of. It's be distinctly knowledgeable in something and not just be a writer, be an expert that can write. A really good example of this, the person that did ask this question, if you're listening now, Hunter Harris, she's a great follow um, on Twitter. She was probably the top writer at Vulture for a really long time. Her Twitter, she's absolutely hysterical. And a big reason why I think she rose in in astounding popularity in the past year was her hot takes on Twitter Mm. and her knowledge of the entertainment industry and the takes that she was basically taking to Twitter to write about. She had a very distinctive voice. It was pretty raunchy. It was pretty funny. It was very real. And that gave her a unique perspective. But it also showed that, like, she knows her shit. So, like, if I want to read anything about entertainment, I know first I'm going to her. And recently, uh, she just left Vulture and she started her own newsletter. And she's writing solely about entertainment. So definitely check her out. She's a really great example of, like, how to really, really sink your teeth into the industries that you're writing in. Yeah, that's it. Um, Okay, I want to end the episode with some lightning round questions that came in for us. What's your biggest life hack? Think cheap housing in New York, LA. Tips for recent grads on a budget. Uh, Damn. I know this one kind of stumped me. Like the first thing that came to mind was the fact like you and I talk about insurance a lot. And that's something that would have saved me a ton of money in my college days had I I really taken advantage of it and, and known more about like how to use it? Uh, yeah, I would say not just cut down on unnecessary expense. Two things. The biggest unnecessary expense isn't the fucking almond lattes and avocado toast. Your biggest unnecessary expense is taxes. So learn the tax code. Then invest. Invest now. Get it. Start an acorn. Start something. Have your have your money grow. Yeah. You automate it. Put it there. I have no issues saving money on clothes. I, I think that's a huge sunken cost that doesn't really make, that doesn't really make sense in terms of status symbols. 
Uh, but for sure, learn to cook at home. You save so much money learning, learning to cook at home. And it's also a lot healthier. It's so funny because I was going to say that. And I was like, is that super basic? But like, uh, I have not been, I, you can ask Joe, like when I was living in New York, my fridge was empty always. It just had like alcohol in it. And then this year I learned to cook and it saved me so much money. Yeah, two meals and out. And I know it's like a basic thing, but. It's a basic life yeah. skill. A lot of people don't have two meals out in New York is fucking, that could be your groceries for the week. Low key, if you like totally. go to a rest- real restaurant. What's the best piece of advice? I'm going to take this one. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice on how to make new friends and belong to a community in a new city? It was you, girl. You know, it's funny. That's like, con- it's kind of conflicting because I moved back to where I grew up in. But that being said, it that still totally had its challenges because I moved to New York and was there for nine years and like totally had my base there. So when I came back, it was like this weird conflicting thing of like, okay, I do have some friends here. I'm really grateful that a lot of my New York friends moved here during COVID. But I think what I learned the most was that the people that you connect with and like the way you actually find sense of community is the people that you come across in your routine that you can relate on. And routines and traditions take time. So it's not something that's going to happen in a week or a month. Like it's been nine months now of me being here. And this is the first time that I actually feel like I have a community of people that I can rely on and turn to that are like part of my routine and part of my new quote unquote life here. So, you know, it's the people that you see at the coffee shop every day if you are going to one. It's someone that you see biking down the street while you're biking as well. Like, those are the people that I would try to connect with and build a community around because you have a common ground. Um, And especially now when, like, our routines are very private and individualized, like, having people that are are like-minded, doing something similar to you and are part of your daily routine, I think is something that is, is really helpful. Yeah, those are all great. Those are all good tips. Thanks. This is my favorite one. What was on your wrapped playlist? I haven't even looked, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't get caught up in this. Wah, wah, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, um, wow, that's even, so sad. I don't even know how um, to find it. Go on Spotify. Should we do it together right now? Yeah, let's do it. Go on Spotify, and it should pop up. See how you like listen. right away. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know because like sometimes you'll send me like like ambient music for like working. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, you know, it could really we could like one of my top ones was classical because I listen to classical music a lot. So like it could throw me for a loop. My number one was rap. Number two was lo-fi beats. Number three was chill hop. Number four was hip hop. <laughs> number five was electronica. <laughs> lo-fi beats, guys. <laughs> lo-fi beats. What's your number one song? This is this is so right. What song helped you get through it all? Intro by Jay Z, the Dynasty. Wow. Hard. What else? He's so interested and thrilled right now. Ooh, I'm a tastemaker. Seventeen of your playlists gained five hundred new followers. Wow. Throw it back. I love that we're moving and grooving on this pod today. Thanks for submitting all the questions. That was awesome. If we didn't get to you, shoot me a DM and I'll maybe try and pester Joe for them. But we got to so many of them. So, yeah. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. 
And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.